0: Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor.
1: And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone
0: else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to What They Never Told Us. We are back with our lost letters, and I'm very excited with this letter because it's written so well. I cannot wait for all of you to hear it. And there's so much good stuff to talk about with regards to the work environment, what relationships and dynamics and how power dynamics play out. But before we get into the juicy stuff, Crystal, what are you holding in? What am I not holding in? Ah, oh, I want to
1: scream. That that was the first thing I need to let out—a scream, maybe a few punches. I don't know. <laughs> I need to let this energy, that this emotional energy, build up out of my system. I know that for sure. So I'm angry, frustrated, tired, like upset. I'm just over it like I'm ready to go back home not because of anything particular in Italy but I'm just feeling so not like myself I just want to crawl into my own bed and Mm. just hide for a little bit um and I will say I'm struggling a lot to get the emotions out I feel like I'm very good at feeling them like I know that they're there I'm good at identifying it, but I'm still struggling with like feeling the actual emotion. So I wanted to cry yesterday. And like the instances where I felt like it was coming up were not appropriate ones. I was like, okay, like I can't cry here because I'm doing something X, Y, and Z. And then of course, when I'm alone, nothing. And I'm just like, what the fuck, which then added more frustration (laughs) to how I was feeling. So I just feel like I'm feeling frustrated and all these other emotions. And then my inability to just move past it or give myself the comfort that I want is adding to the frustration. So I'm holding a lot of pent up, slightly negative emotions right now.
0: I could relate because what I did was I moved in and I didn't move across the like the the whole world right like <laughs> I literally just moved to a different borough but I moved in with different people and strangers that I didn't know and although these strangers were always very nice to me it took me a while to actually feel settled and to be quite honest I still have moments where I'm like ooh I can't fully be myself right like I like it when they're not here not because I hate them or there's anything wrong with this but more so because there's this thing within me that I don't fully feel safe to mm-hmm. to be me, right? So, like as you were talking, it reminded me of this like safety to experience your emotions, and like you're in a completely different place. You're in someone else's house, and it's not necessarily that they're doing anything wrong. It's just I don't know. There's like, the, and, and I think that that's what happens with trauma. Because if this is the first episode you listen to, Crystal and I have experienced trauma in different <laughs> ways. Um, but trauma kind of gates you right like it gates mm-hmm. you up and it's like it's not safe to do this here and even though logically you understand it is emotionally there's still that I guess that be that behavioral pattern that we have to be like nope not doing it and then right. your mind is frustrated and then it's just it's too much yeah it's a lot to think about and balance
1: <laughs> for sure nah. I get it. But I'm
0: I'm sure you'll you'll get better cuz a little birdie on Instagram told me you're meditating out there in Italy.
1: <laughs> yes, I, that I will say has been a game changer for sure. Just having those few minutes so that I'm like, okay, like I'm okay. I'm alive and some of the meditations have like affirmations, like mm. you're so lucky to be alive in this body and I'm
0: like, yes, yes mm. I am. <laughs> it's true like, you know? And you could be mad at the same time. It's a yeah, thing. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what are you holding in?
0: Oh, um, yo, I was holding in so much this past week. I, l- I let a lot of it out because I had the opportunity to air it out with the people mm-hmm. that I was holding it in with. But I think right now I'm holding in, I don't know, I... There's a little bit of resentment. There's anger. There's, oh, there's frustration because of, like, the power people hold over me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like my, okay, so I live in the building I live in now and I haven't moved just yet. Yo, they be fucking with the hot water. And, like, literally Mm -hmm. I woke up at 8 in the morning and no hot water for 45 minutes. And it's not even just the interruption of my day, of my life, right? Because I... You know, I'm home today. But at the same time, it's like, yo, fuck you and your power. And the way you abuse it, it pisses me the fuck off. And I've been holding in mad anger with that. Like, especially when I see people who are not conscious of their power, who just want to abuse it. Or they don't even want to, like, acknowledge that there's this differential, like, power dynamic at play within Mm -hmm. the relationship, like work or or have being the manager of a building, you know? Right. Um, I think I'm just fucking angry.
1: Oh, I'm sorry you're angry, but, you know, you're moving soon,
0: which is yes, exciting.
1: I, I don't know if you officially announced that. I
0: think I did.
1: But yeah, hopefully the new building, um, you won't have these issues. But I will say your expression of what you're holding is a perfect segue to our letter. Because I'm sure our listener let out a lot of their frustration with the um, dynamics that they were experiencing at work. So we're just going to jump right in to the episode and I will read our letter for today. Dear S, no one warned you. No one warned you of the thorny underside of rose-colored visions. How an ideal job in your dream city could sour into your ultimate nightmare. No one told you how treacherous the waters of workplace toxicity were until the current dragged you under, the swell of stress all but suffocating. No one warned you that despite escaping your childhood abuser, that this transition in your career would introduce a new manipulative narcissist into your world. Hmm. No one warned you that sometimes the most highly regarded charismatic leaders smile in front of the crowd and lash out behind closed doors even ones who look like you. You were excited. You felt empowered, confident, eager, impressionable, bright-eyed and willing to invest ample time in contributing to a positive impact through your daily work. You were blessed to have kind leadership for the first four years of your career. You caught a glimpse here and there of toxicity happening to others. However, you naively believed you were an exception. You believed that because you were a dedicated hard worker, willing to outwork whoever, whenever, that your supervisor would be thrilled to have you. You thought if you kept your head down, showed up, was a resource, and made things better than how you found them, that you could outwork a jealous, self-important, attention-seeking, emotionally abusive supervisor." You believed that your work ethic and boundaries would make you exempt to the overbearing negativity that one person was the center of. Hmm. The toxicity started on the smallest levels. An insulting jab or hypercritical comment in between compliments, sandwiched in so nicely that it was almost missed. The consistent poking at your boundaries, the constant need to embarrass you by oversharing things you shared in confidence... Often masking it through humor in front of others so that if you did pick up on the undertones, you clearly had to be misunderstanding as everyone in company found laughter in the moment. Or did they? Her need to control every conversation and circle the conversation around her, the intentional lack of attention to areas that were intricate to the success of the work. The scolding that started to compound if she was unhappy that someone saw you as a resource or provided you with praise for your efforts and accomplishments. In the six years of working with her, she never verbally apologized for her actions. On the days where she was at her worst, and there were many, she allowed lavish gifts to speak for her as if a simple purchase could undo the pain that she dealt You started to accept these hollow tokens as her silent apology for the neglect and bullying. The normalization of overperforming and excelling in a chaotic environment left you emotionally drained, angry, insecure in your boundaries, and unsure of who you were as an individual. Please remember that her actions towards you were not a reflection of you. Please release yourself from feeling responsible for all the ill treatment you received. Take a breath. You have survived. It wasn't easy, but you made it. You took care of yourself. You prioritized your mental, physical, and emotional health. Your integrity, faith, and emotional intelligence assisted you in taking back your power. You're now free from the verbal aggression and burnout from working for a toxic boss. That is the end of the letter. There was no (laughs) signature. But shout out to our letter writer who's clearly... A fucking poet. Yo, Okay, for real. I felt like I was reading a novel. That's why I was like, I got I to gotta read this proper.
0: I got to come correct. <laughs> well, I think you okay. did a good job. I do. I do. And like, I felt everything.
1: Clearly, we're dealing with a very toxic, nasty boss because mm-hmm. honestly, as I was reading through this, I was like, this is literally textbook abuse. 100%. If you like start to dissect all of the incidents, the feelings, the manipulation, all of it is uh, textbook abuse. Even the way that it started to the piece where there was discussion on like gifts and accepting gifts as like Mm -hmm. a silent
0: apology, I was like, this is the cycle of abuse. It's kind of like the I'm sorry"s, right like I'll never do it again when you have an abusive Mm -hmm. partner and they come back and they say I don't know what I was thinking. You know, please take me back. I'm going to be better. That's what it reminds me of speaking of abuse. It's interesting because the last part of the letter feels like an affirmation to that person like they're affirming to their own selves that. You are not in this toxic environment anymore. And that is actually something that happens post-abuse, where you constantly mm-hmm. have to remind yourself you're not in danger. Um, mm-hmm. Because the the toxicity and the abuse was so overwhelming and it just permeated through your boundaries that you need the reminder.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a rebuilding of like, okay, like let me affirm myself let me continue to tell myself because you have to kind of like train yourself like to pick yourself back up almost and you have to do it consistently every day until you can finally stand on your own and the reminders don't need to be as frequent. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So I did want to talk a little bit about the cycle of abuse, because even though this is a workplace relationship, and I think a lot of times we think of abuse as like personal relationships, like romantic relationships or familial, this is a clear sign that abuse can happen anywhere from a lot of different places, including the workplace. So I did want to talk about the uh, cycle of abuse so that you all can identify if you or someone you know is experiencing it. So the cycle of abuse is a four-part pattern to that you see, I would say, pretty consistently in the same order. However, it can shift depending on the relationship. Um, and usually you have this cycle when there's some sort of power imbalance. Um, in this relationship, obviously, a boss has some sort of power over their employee. So first step is building tension, right? So at some point, tension has to build for the abuser. And the triggers for this tension doesn't necessarily need to be caused by the person who's receiving the abuse. It can come from an outside source, or it can come from within the relationship. So the abuser begins to get frustrated, angry, emotions start to build, and then an incident is kind of like looming in the background. So I don't think that our letter writer necessarily... Alluded to what would start the abuse per se, but I believe that they understood when they understood that their boss had the potential to be abusive because they were able to see instances of abuse from this person towards others, which our hmm. letter writer did mention. Um, but then the second step of the cycle is abuse. So um, once the tension builds, the abuser eventually releases said tension on whoever they are abusing. Uh, And usually it is an attempt to regain uh, power and establish control. So abuse can look many different ways, but in the workplace, uh, it can look like microaggressions, insults, minimization of like work effort, taking credit for work that someone didn't do, being underpaid and overworked, ruining a reputation, embarrassing or being critical in front of others, Uh, which it seems like our letter writers experienced, sabotaging opportunities for success, uneven workload compared to other employees, violating boundaries, sharing of private incidents, which happened to our letter writer as well, not acknowledging success or areas of strengths, jealousy, uh, chaotic or unrealistic environments that don't allow for success to to happen, Uh, bullying, neglect, and literally most of these that I said were from the letter.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this was pretty uh, textbook abuse. I agree with you a thousand percent that this is textbook abuse. I think it, it looks a little different at work specifically mm-hmm. because what we have to acknowledge is that when abuse happens, there's someone who has power in, over somebody else in the relationship. The relationship to begin with, when, you're, when you have a boss and then you're, there, you're their employee, they have power over you because that's just like the normal hierarchy of Mm -hmm. the work structure. And in my opinion, it's very hard to be friends or cool or like escape that with your boss because you, both you and your boss have to recognize the power dynamic at play. And that's something that's rarely ever spoken about, right? Like you have all these bosses saying like, I give you power, but then there's no conversation with regards to what every person is really feeling and their triggers, um, mm-hmm. and so safety is never established. Therefore, trust is never established. And then you look back and you say, were they really? Did like why did I think they were my friend? Did I really fully feel safe with them? Right. And I also think that a lot of bosses come to the table because this is just my experience. They're like they want to be open and vulnerable, but. I don't think that they're willing to put in the work to actually maneuver that relationship correctly with their employees if it's going to be a little more personal. And even if it's not personal, like I don't know that they understand how power is controlling them. And I think part of the reason is the personality of who a boss is. Right. Like if you think about the kinds of people who are getting into these roles and who want to manage other people, it has to do with your personality, because I meet some like really good, effective people and they would be great at managing, but they don't want to do it because it's going to overwhelm them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's their stuff. And then they kind of reject it. But then think about the person who says, yes, I want that position. I want to manage people. And that has to do with their own personal shit, too. So I feel like there's so many things that you have to look out for with regards to power and the relationships that you have with your boss. And that that's you as an employee but then you as a boss you have to check yourself constantly and that's mm. not in the manual that's not part of the mission yeah. of wherever the company culture that you're working for you know what i'm saying like that's not a norm so it's very right. hard
1: yeah and i think the the difference for me also with workplace relationships specifically is that in in a relationship like a um like a friendship or a romantic relationship there is some flexibility between those two people to Mm -hmm. even out the level of power and control that there there is um so but in a work relationship you can't do that because your boss is your boss unless all of a sudden you also enter that sort of senior level yes of you know, power as well. And maybe you become colleagues. But even then, at the end of the day, like the power imbalance doesn't necessarily even itself out. And there's usually not much opportunity to do so because of the way that workplaces are structured um, here in America. So I think that's number one. It's difficult to manage some sort of balance. um, But Mm -hmm. two, also in regards to what you were saying about uh, bosses and people who take these uh, positions, I think once you get to a leadership role, you're also really concerned with other things. Like you have a lot of additional responsibilities and other people that you need to answer to. And it's, it's hard to navigate being the middleman. I know that in my last job before I came to Italy, I was working as a supervisor, so I did have people that reported to me, and it's it is challenging to balance developing someone as an individual while also answering to somebody while also doing your your own job. Like that's a lot. It is a lot of things to balance. I know that it takes people years to really get Uh, used to it but I think if this person seems like they're very in love with power this particular boss um, that was a sense Mm. that I got I think that the way that they were very manipulative um, and I can get into it a little later it was giving manipulative controller when we discussed the people who the types of people who had issues with boundaries Um, Mm. so this is like a very particular type of person that has issues with boundaries where they do enjoy the control When they enjoy that control, they don't realize it. They don't ever admit to liking or wanting that control. So it's hard to navigate relationships with these people because they're not able to see how they're showing up in the relationship.
0: That's that's a thousand percent correct. And I think that a lot of those kinds of people will always end up in power Po- quote-unquote, powerful roles, right? Like, mm-hmm. as your supervisor, as your manager, because they seek these out, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is something that, fee- that that fuels them, right? So it is an individual process, and then it becomes something that they project onto their employees, and then other people are affected by it. I do want to get
1: back to the last two stages of the cycle of abuse so that we can uh, finish it off. So after in an incident of abuse, there's reconciliation, right? So... In attempts to move past the incident, the abuser often uses kindness, gifts, and other gestures um, to enter what we call the honeymoon stage. And that's when it's all gray, it's rainbows, it's butterflies, we are, you know, like feeling dopamine, oxytocin, all Mm. of those good hormones that we've discussed in the past. And it helps you to feel calmer, maybe a little more closely bonded. And it can mislead you into thinking that the relationship will actually get better. And I feel like this, to me, always feels like the most dangerous part of the cycle of abuse. Because when you're reconciling, it's almost like you forget what happened, and it helps to keep you in the relationship longer, which is part of the goal of any abuser, whether conscious mm-hmm. or not, is to keep you satiated within the relationship, right? Because if you con- if you experience consistent abuse, the person is going to get fed up, there has to be some good to balance out all of the bad, um, to keep the relationship going.
0: You know, that reminds me of the behaviors that addicts have. And this person, the letter writer, specifically spoke to their their personal experience with abuse, their childhood Mm -hmm. abuser. I don't know what kind of abuse it is, but there's something in our brains. Right. And we speak about this all the time where you weren't taught proper boundaries. Therefore, Mm -hmm. you don't know how to navigate the world and look for healthy boundaries. And you end up being in these positions all the time because this is what your brain is used to. Mm -hmm. And that is the effect of abuse and trauma because any kind of abuse is trauma onto the brain in, in individual people, right? Like that's how we keep ending up in these roles with people. And we don't know how to say, nope, it's stopping there. like Because even though you've overcome the childhood abuse, there's something in your brain that it is, it gets wired differently. And it's hard to spot out—is this good? Is this not? And that's why this sneaky abuse can—it's so easy to enter into that dynamic because oh, they're good, and this feels mm-hmm. good, and it's very, very—it's—it's it's just a very great area, like you said.
1: Yeah, and I would say um, the letter writer at the beginning said that for the first four years, this boss this particular boss wasn't necessarily like abusive like it was towards other people so I think that's also another thing when you have such a foundation so to speak Mm. of being well like like this this particular boss they knew what they were doing like this is this is not their first instance of abuse is my guess because Mm. I think this person seems very well versed because it takes a long time to bring someone's walls down like to build the relationship to make this person feel safe. Like that was like years of work that was put into this relationship before it turned sour. So I think again, that's another tactic that abusers um, can use to keep a person in a relationship for longer. If you keep that like safe, that satisfactory, healthy
0: quote unquote, Mm -hmm. healthy
1: relationship going for a very long time, it's difficult. And to your point, this person has experienced trauma before. So I always think of Freud's theory of repetition compulsion, which is like the unconscious need to reenact early traumas and attempt to overcome them. And I think that a lot of times people don't realize that that's exactly what's happening. Um, But also I was thinking about attachment styles and I would wonder what this um, particular letter writers attachment style is um, because I know that people with anxious attachment tend to fall into a lot of um, abusive relationships just because of the way that they try to connect with others.
0: And also something that I do want to say specifically to every like everything you added repetition compulsion and the attachment style when you see the abuser treating you special and everyone mm-hmm. else kind of has different treatment. It's almost like, oh, I'm special. I'm mm-hmm. loved. And this mm-hmm. is what's happening unconsciously. But that is the number one sign for you to get mm-hmm. the fuck out. Because yes. don't be fooled. It's like it's like dating, right? If I ever encountered a guy who told me, yeah, I've cheated on somebody in the past. I remember looking at them like, we're not going on a second date. We're good. Yep. <laughs> Except yeah, because- for my last partner.
1: <laughs> oh god no um but no that's actually very true putting someone basically on that pedestal and then you feel good again it's it's mm-hmm. part of the manipulation this person is this this boss i'm telling you right now they're like grade a manipulator like they can teach a master class on this fucking shit my goodness and then the last part of the uh, cycle of abuse is calm So obviously, you want to maintain the peace, you want to maintain the harmony, both parties need, so to speak, like a little bit of a break, right? Um, And this is a time where you kind of come up with a, the abuser comes up with some sort of explanation or justification for the abuse. So this is this stage is important, one, because the abuser needs an opportunity to redeem themselves and kind of explain themselves and make sure that They calm down the abuse, but also the person who is being abused oftentimes tries to convince themselves that this was maybe a one-time incident, that this is not going to happen again. Um, You know, they try to find some sort of rationale for what's happened. And of course, the abuser will enable this type of thought process for the person who's being abused because it works in their favor. And then at the end, this is not technically not one of the stages. This is only four stages. But the fifth thing that's going to happen is rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. The pattern is going to continue to repeat itself. At some point, if the abuse is continuing for a long time, what you often start to see with anyone that's being abused is that um, the calm period where you, you know, maybe like up the person maybe like apologizes and looks for rationale sometimes either reduces in the amount of time. So like maybe at first it would last a month, then maybe three weeks, and you start to see it go down to maybe a couple of days or maybe not even at all and the cycle repeats from steps one to three without having a step four at all and that's by then the abuse has escalated to significantly high and potentially dangerous levels if not already there
0: and it's so dangerous because like i think that we tend to compartmentalize work and personal life mm-hmm. and we we're like oh it doesn't affect us or, but the reality is that we spend, I forgot what the amount of hours, but we spend a lot of time Ooh, a at work. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, an, it's, it's very, I, I don't even want to say it's difficult. It's almost impossible to separate your personal shit from the workplace, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not working alone. You're working with people and the people are going to perpetuate whatever is happening in you or how you see your world. So it needs to be spoken to that this kind of abuse does affect your self-esteem going to affect your relationships moving forward because if you're enduring that and tolerating that at work you're gonna tolerate shit outside of work right it's going to make you feel like you did something wrong all the time like how come i'm not good enough how come you know these how come this person doesn't treat me like they used to and that's part of the abuse right they give you something good and then they just drop the ball because quote unquote they don't have to and this is personal but that's what the boss feels it's almost like they've earned something over you and they don't have to continue doing the work to be good to you. And that's what mm-hmm. an abuser does. It, and, it, and then it causes the person being abused to feel like they have to shoulder all of this blame. Like, what am I doing wrong? What's happening? Like, why are they like this? Right. Because we a lot of us have so much shit prior to even starting work. Your personal shit is going to play out and your triggers are going to get activated And it's going, you could actually, if you weren't in trauma response before, this could put you right there in trauma response. Because for me personally, when I first started working and I was trying to get my license, like my licensure, I remember working for this one guy and he abused the fuck out of me. He was paying me shit money and he knew it. And he told me I would get a raise at the beginning. And then he said he, he didn't want to. I was retaining like 55 clients a week.
1: Um, this is like
0: one of these factory mills, you know, and they abuse yeah. the fact that, that you need them. Um, he knew I was one of his best employees. And then when I decided to leave, he kind of put it on me that I was being unethical when he was the one who was very quick to refer people out and he didn't want to deal with liabilities. And, you know, it left me quite traumatized, not because of that one experience, but because of what I have experienced up until that point in my life. And for I remember going into my next job, like, literally hiding. And, like, one of my coworkers told me they said how I would walk out of my office and it looked like I was, like, surveilling, waiting for something. Mm, Wow. Yeah. No,
1: it's crazy how um, traumas show up in different areas. Or even you surveilling, like, your your surroundings um and i will say i think that again you know to a little bit to what we said earlier that this person was kind of already coming in with some sort of traumas because in the letter they say you thought if you had kept your head down showed up was a resource Mm -hmm. and made things better than how you found them that you would outwork a jealous self-important attention-seeking emotionally abusive abusive supervisor, you believe that your work ethic and boundaries would make you exempt to the overbearing negativity that one person was the center of. So I also wonder what it was like for this person to get out of this dynamic and moving into the the next role, because it's also difficult once you escape an abusive relationship to not try to overcorrect in the next one. Um, my hope is that uh, this person didn't do that because it seemed like they well one they listen to us so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you already know that they're about this life, okay? Um, but just the last paragraph, I hope that they're um, in a better place in terms of like rebuilding their boundaries, prioritizing their mental health to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen because I know that when I left the field of social work and I started working at my last job, I remember everyone kept saying, like, why are you scared? Like they would mm. like it was kind of like a joke. Like, why are you scared? Like, why are you so nervous? Like, why are you so anxious? And it was like, because that's how my last job had me. Like, and I came into this next experience um, carrying that still because it was unresolved. I hadn't worked uh, through it. So it can definitely continue to phase you into future um, situations in your life if you don't address it.
0: This is the irony about these kinds of relationships, uh, because especially when you're in the workplace, when you have someone who's a manipulator, they're very good at making their employees or everybody else believe that they are valuing the mission of where you work right so mm-hmm. when i looked up like how to build an ethical workplace there, there's different key components to creating an ethical environment and one of them is making your employees feel valued right mm-hmm. um creating trust collaborative relationships between employees and that's so it's such a slippery slope when you're creating actual friendships And you're giving gifts. And it's so confusing because that makes you feel valued, right? These are one of the ways you make people feel valued. And then when you promote an individual well-being is another one. And it's so fucking warped, man. Because you will have a boss who will beat you down to the ground and then say, take a day off. You deserve it, right? And it's Girl,
1: you triggered the shit out of me.
0: (laughs) And it's like, excuse me, you, boss. I deserve a fucking month off. (laughs) No,
1: but then it, oh my gosh, that is so crazy because it is so true because they will put themselves as if they are like, I care about you. I'm worried about you. Take a day. I see Mm -hmm. you. And that feeling, especially when you, when you feel the opposite of that every day, it just is like, whew, like. That that deep breath that that you can take. The other thing I will say is that a lot of times manipulative people will make you think that um, maybe the ideas that they're coming up with or the things that they're saying were your ideas, mm. or that it's in your favor too, um, instead of like being honest about the fact that whatever they're manipulating you to into doing is in their favor. That's another way abusers can abuse. And I also do want to say to people that sometimes it is hard to tell when you're in an abusive relationship, especially at first, because again, the whole point of an abuser is to kind of like lure you in. It's kind of like you got to like hook your fish, right? Like at first Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I'm getting a worm or whatever it is. And then before you know it, that fish is getting sucked out the water um, super fast. So... (laughs) (laughs) No, but okay, but and listen, my metaphor <laughs> was good because okay, the, no, let's go back to our letter writer.
0: Personal, it was like you know what it feels like to be yanked out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love.
1: Okay, I was about to say because our letter writer said no one told you about the treacherous <laughs> waters of workplace toxicity. Okay, so, so the AKA, water
0: fit. <laughs> So, a.k.a. Crystal knows what it feels like to be sucked out of the water and she just she's mad at somebody right now she's mad yes yes fucking her shit up (laughs) um so yeah so um it is
1: it is difficult and I want to just take a moment I said all of that to say oh I want you all to just understand that sometimes it is difficult to realize that you're in an abusive relationship so that's why we do want to talk about it we want to make it clear to folks that once you start to realize these patterns um these this behavior or even sometimes when you feel it instinctually in your body like something is off, Try not mm-hmm. to doubt it too much um, or at least explore it a little bit further um, to make sure that you're not in this because this relationship was going well for four years and then this person stayed in an abusive, like the the relationship became abusive for the last two years. Um, and in two years time, you can do a lot of damage to somebody. So,
0: You know, but I also think that that speaks to people changing, mm-hmm. you know? I think that, um, like you said to your point, right? So we become indoctrinated in these systems with our specific roles, especially since most of the systems that we work within are a system of hierarchy. It's not like everybody has equal power, equal access, right? Like there's something that your boss knows that you don't know. And that's why they're the boss. They have the responsibility to do that. And I do I have empathy for that experience. And at the same time, I think that role kind of consumes somebody in a very slow way, right? Like over time, like maybe they came in with the intention of promoting the the company mission or the company reputation, but because of the stress they're feeling from top down and they're not talking about it with anybody and they're not reflecting that, they're not reflecting within themselves and figuring out, oh, what is it that I'm doing? Am I still connected to my purpose? Like no one's checking their ass because you as your employee can't check them. Unless you invite right. that. And there are some um, company some structures bosses. that do invite that. But, yo, if you're inviting that and then, you know, you you give your evaluation and then they get a pow-pow for for saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. like no one's going to say anything back. And it's a very tricky position to be in um, because that pow-pow could be interpreted differently with because we're all coming from different backgrounds, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. it's not necessarily you hurting somebody or just being honest or explaining yourself or, you know what I mean? It's it's very, very tricky and it's hard and it's an ongoing process, which is why the power dynamics needs to be spoken about all the time, actually, if you're a boss. And this is something that we never talk about. We never say, hey, by the way, you're my boss. This is why I'm not saying anything um, because there's so much pers- personal shit that comes up. So I don't know. It's just it's just really, really hard because I want to have some kind of compassion for these people because they are people and at the same time I know what it's like to be on the receiving end and I I don't want to cancel anybody out right like I want to understand the dynamic but I think in order to do that we all have to be willing to talk about the shit that we're experiencing
1: yeah i mean i get where you're coming from in terms of looking at everyone as human but i from from the way that this letter is written i don't think this person this particular boss has the capacity to do so but i but i do get what you're saying because i think when i was a supervisor i remember one of my employees left The workplace. And I did say to to her when she left, I said, I'm sorry that I couldn't be the boss that you needed. I was experiencing X, Y, and Z, and I couldn't give you the time to develop you and give you the space and the opportunity to learn and grow. Um, But there's very few people, and this is not even me patting myself on the back, but there's very few people who have the emotional capacity um, to really look at themselves um, because I was like, this is where I messed up and this is where you messed up. And we were Mm. able to have that candid conversation about saying like, okay, like this is where I failed you. These are the areas where you could use improvement as an employee, like in your next uh, position. So I do think that it takes uh, a lot of effort and I don't think that's necessarily the culture that we create here in America, because I feel like a lot of what allowed for this type of abuse to happen, and this is something that even even now with the pandemic, we're starting to see some shifts, but it's just this culture of overperforming and giving a lot of the stuff. Like, if you think about this, just how we're raised here in America from the second mm. we enter school and it transitions into the workplace, your value is measured based off of what you produce right like you have to earn good grades in order to get to the next school in order to be promoted to the next grade and we kind of ingrain that even into uh, the workplace so like mentally we're always like okay if you create a if you put in the certain amount of input you will get an output and I think that um, what makes it difficult sometimes for especially for people of color anyone can be, abused in the workplace, regardless Mm -hmm. of race and ethnicity. But I think for people of color, we already come in with this understanding of the world that we need to give 200% in order to receive 50% of what a white person is receiving. So I think that it makes us sometimes a little bit more susceptible to abuse when we're already um, in a culture that makes us think that we have to give more in order to receive even... 50% of what someone else is receiving.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's A, that's generational trauma. B, imagine if you have trauma within the home already, and you're coming from experiences where you have been overtly abused upon. I don't know if that even made sense, but I hope it did. Um, um, And, you know, you're, you're now coming into these systems where Culturally, you have to overperform and then you're overperforming for your own personal reasons. And then mm-hmm. you're most likely to be that person to overperform and hold everybody's lack of right, because everybody contributes to the work environment. So you're going to have that worker that doesn't do their job. So then you're going to supplement for them so you can outshine somebody else. And then you're going to be the person that stays late because you want to make your boss happy and you want them to love you and you want to shine. And it feels good when they highlight you. Right. So you're just playing into this this, this cycle of which is it's, it's what you are saying. the cycle of abuse but it's happening within you now because that's Mm -hmm. how you perceive your world so you're so susceptible to falling into this dynamic with a boss at work so something that I did want to point out and I keep talking about this you know friendship with your boss it's because like the letter sounds to me as though these two people had a personal relationship especially with the gift giving and the the knowing personal information about them and I just want to say it's very hard to be friends with your boss. I don't, I I personally don't think that that's the thing. And like the only way I can see that working out is if both of you from the inception of wherever you're working at have started together. If you think about our dynamic crystal, like we started this together and we still had like a shit ton of issues and things came up. Mm -hmm. So imagine if there was like a a power imbalance between us, that shit Mm -hmm. would have fucked our shit up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because at least we can say, no, we did this together. You right. get where I'm coming from. Um, so I find it super, super difficult to be a boss and be friends with your employees or be cool with your employees. So I, I do think that bosses, A, have to make a decision of what role they're going to play and be very conscious of that power that we've been discussing. On the flip side, I think that employees also need to tread lightly. Um, and I don't mean tread in fear. I just mean tread lightly with regards to establishing Work boundaries with your boss, right? Like if they want to permeate those boundaries, you say, no, nope, in a very nice way. And like you show them that you don't want to engage, but at the same time, you're a good worker and that you're not, your boundaries cannot be crossed because that's, that's one of the best ways that you can be in a work environment where a boss won't cross your boundaries. Because for the most part, especially manipulators, either mm-hmm. they're going to reject the shit out of you or they respect you and they'll leave you alone. It's like it's like animal looking for their prey, right? Like who are they gonna get at next? And I really and that's personality of a manipulator. They're looking for their prey, and because it makes them feel powerful. One of the last things I do want to speak to is especially I don't know about other work environments like corporate or you know uh, what it looks like to be in the medical field. Even though we're kind of the medical field, but we're not respected like we are, mm-hmm. especially with regards to the helping environment. I feel like people think that we haven't been indoctrinated into these systems. Like, so when you have somebody who has a mission for whatever it is that they're working towards and they're managing that or they're leading that because they're the ones who started it from the beginning, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be on a power trip. And I think that this is what we do in our minds and we get wrong, especially with like therapists or people who are in, in like nonprofits and they're doing something for the well-being of, of like other people. People's shit is, are is always going to come up and just because you're a quote unquote helper it doesn't make you a martyr it doesn't make you selfless it makes it it doesn't really mean anything it just means you have purpose and I feel like we always have to check ourselves and we always have to check the people around us because it's so easy to get indoctrinated into this system it's so easy to get high off power it's it feels good like I I, I don't want to admit it but like I don't feel good unless I'm validated. And it's very, very hard to lead whatever it is I'm leading or be around a group of people and and not look for their um, acceptance. So I just want to point that out that it's this is why it's so messy to even be close to your boss. So if you can keep it cordial and your personal life is not spoken about and you can just be very respectful, I think that that is one of the best ways to go.
1: Yeah. So I, I would say in terms of trying to create um, a healthy balance, make sure to prioritize yourself. Don't overwork yourself, right? Don't feel the need to come in and do 10, million times more work than the next person um mm-hmm. of course you always want to make sure that you're a hard worker that you get your promotions and things like that but don't put your your health your family your friends and your need for work-life balance um to the side in order to find success in a workplace because of a, a workplace that does that to you is probably not the healthiest anyway um, so make sure you prioritize your needs definitely establish boundaries again <laughs> The cheat code for life. What are the cheat codes for life? Establish those boundaries for sure. If you've already been in an abusive relationship and maybe you have to stay in this particular work environment for a little bit longer, it's possible that you might receive a little bit of backlash or it's going to feel uncomfortable because people are used to being in a position where they can just tell you what to do or you know, take advantage of you, but, um, definitely make sure to set those boundaries anyway, because it's the only way to take care of yourself. Not the only way, but it's one major way to take care of yourself.
0: I mean, it's, it's probably the, the main, it's, it's the key component to self-care, which is, and and then the way, you know, don't get me started on self-care, but the way it's advertised, it kind of feels like, oh, you don't have boundaries, go to the spa. Like, no, get your, get your ass to therapy <laughs> and get some, like, real tools on how to overcome your fears, your anxieties, what's holding you back. Because mm-hmm. this is the only way you're going to move forward in the workplace, in your personal relationships, right? There's some responsibility also, and I don't mean it to say, like, oh, you can't complain. No, but there's a level of responsibility that we we also have to take because these dynamics always take two people. Mm -hmm. it's never just one person inflicting something onto you. It's it's the permission that we Mm -hmm. silently give them, that indirectly give them, right? So there's, and there's a way to handle it. And I think that if you have an abusive dynamic at work, this is your opportunity. Oh, here we go again. To do the work on yourself. Do the work. (laughs) 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 Because these things will keep coming up over and over again until you figure it out whether you're mm-hmm. unconsciously looking for them, whether it's something that, and you know, I, it's not even whether, this is something we can't escape. We can't. Mm-hmm. Living in the culture that we live in, power yeah. is huge within us. This feeling that someone has won something over us or they, they own something or they're controlling and then our need to take back that control and then what happens within us when we don't feel like we're in control or we feel like people have passed our boundaries and how do we defend ourselves? Like, yo, this is, this is capitalism because guess what? Competition is valued. And that's what you feel in competition. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to win, right? So right. you can't escape this. Like you have to right. work through it.
1: And the way that we view competition, is, somebody wins, somebody has to lose. And if Absolutely. I got to make sure that you lose in order for me to win, mm-hmm. trust me, some people will hop on that opportunity um, without skipping a beat. If you are already experiencing a, an abusive workplace, or you are starting to suspect that things are gonna go left, um, definitely create some sort of support network or support group. Um, I know that there are literally Facebook <laughs> groups about leaving the field that I just left. So uh,
0: <laughs> I was about to ask, how do you know? But you just
1: said it. <laughs> yes, uh, because I've been there. But also, um, I know that I. Um, for about six months last year was part of a woman's, well, it wasn't a woman's thing, but I I think it was primarily woman. There was only one man that was part of it. Um, But Uh, there's, there's career groups, um, things like that, that can help you find community Facebook groups, career groups, obviously therapy is a great resource as Sasha had mentioned. Um, so create that support network for yourself so that you can hear and see what other people are experiencing. Cause sometimes when you get caught up in your own life, in your own head, you start to, you start to think you're crazy and sometimes it is not true. It's not true, but the, the environment is created in order for you to, Feel that way, and of course, if you need to create an exit plan to to leave your job, um, I know some. I know for me, my exit plan was okay. I'm leaving, and I'm gonna go to Italy. So what up? Um, but I know that that's <laughs> that's not realistic um, for mm. everybody. Um, sometimes, if you have a family or you're paycheck to paycheck or not making enough money, that you can't just take a break. Um, but definitely make sure to create an exit plan if you are in some sort of abusive relationship to so another department or another job.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny, I was having this conversation with uh, different people last night. What do you do when the, the place that you work for doesn't align with your morals and your values, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you, but then you need money at the same time. And I think, this is something we should all learn how to deal with without having apathy towards it because that's how you eat, like, either get into burnout or you just stop caring or you become this boss that it just takes, 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 right? Like this is how it happens. But I think that one of the best ways, and um, my partner told me this, is to see yourself as a consultant. You don't mm. work for them. You're consulting for them. And then it's almost like you have ownership and power over your role and what it is that you do and and your purpose and your mission. And you could stay true to that because I think that a lot of us are, and this is, I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm afraid to go against the power dynamic because what is that going to mean? But then once I really start thinking of what value do I bring, how do I do it? How do I know my work is good? I'm like, they're not going to fire me. And if they do, they're missing out. And I really genuinely believe that. And that's actually what keeps me motivated to do work within the purpose that I came into this work for, right? Like to keep doing it, to not give up on it. Um, it's not easy because there are days I feel very low. But like when I realize that I'm doing my own thing and I'm benefiting, I'm giving something to this company, and they're not—they're not here to to penalize me. I'm actually here to give something to them. Like the power dynamic evens out in my mind, and that's how I move forward in my job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, And I think that that's where also having a support group is necessary because I find that, you know, I've had conversations with your partner um, about (laughs) like how he shows up at work. And I've also had conversations with other folks who've been in their work fields for a lot longer and they show up very confidently and they're able to set very strong boundaries because they've experienced this type of dynamics, experienced this need to show up and do all of these things. And a lot of times they say, like, when they look back, like, they wish they would have had somebody to tell them how to navigate the workplace differently, so that they wouldn't have compromised themselves in order to get to where they are. So I think that, you know, um, the perspective that you bring in Sasha, and just having other folks who've been there done that kind of like guide you and mentor you is always super helpful as well. With that said, then uh, we will end today's episode. I do want to give a special shout out and thank you to our future writer. If you're not a writer already, Um, our our letter writer, like legit, when you get your book deal, like send (laughs) us the link. We're going to pre-order. We're going to support. Okay. Because please like that was freaking poetry. I felt like I was reading a novel. Okay. I hope I did you justice in reading the letter. Um, so thank you to our letter writer and I hope you're thriving and in a different workplace. Um, it seems like you've left this, this situation and I hope that, um, you're in a much better, uh, environment that helps you grow and learn as a professional and on a personal level as well. If you, our listener, have a letter or have some thoughts that you want to get out, please make sure to email us at nevertolduspod at gmail.com. We would love to receive and discuss your lost letter.
0: Um, Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at nevertolduspod as well. And as always, keep making sure to come back so we can tell you what they never told us.